When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Adventures of Bradley and Dawn on My Talk 107.1. Everything entertainment. We always talk about our generations and... You know, talking hopefully not, about my generation. Hopefully, not in a hateful way. It's just basic differences between, you know, groups of people. It's no big <laughs> deal. Well, everybody gets so like angry about it. Don't get it's angry. Like, There's okay. no need to be angry, girl. And you noticed something about Gen Z. I did. Well, I read this story and I'm like, is this real? If you're a Gen Z, by the way, feel free. Look, uh, and just to reiterate, and I'm going to tell you about chip dust. It all has to do with Gen Z and chip dust. Put a pin in it. However, first, just to clarify, you said, you know, everybody talks about generations. The thing I've learned as I get older is like, we're always doing this. People have done this regardless of the generation. And like, don't take it too seriously. It's like astrology. We've been talking a lot about our signs today (laughs) for various reasons, which we won't bore you with. But um, it's it's just it's a parlor game. It's enjoy it. It's fun. And that's what we're going to do when it comes to Generation Z and chip dust. A Frito-Lay snack index reveals Gen Z really loves chip dust. What? So What does that mean? That means the bottom of the bag, all the remnants of the uh the the stuff like your favorite chip is mine is a nacho cheese dorito. So what they would do is just take that and then get uh, they'll lick their finger. <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing right now? <laughs> they'll lick their finger, and they put it in the bottom, and they go, mmm. Yeah. And they just keep it saying says, it out. According to this research that Gen Z did, because, you know, or not Gen Z, rather, Frito-Lay. Frito-Lay did a bunch of research for the uh, pending big game, as we call it, because we don't. We can say Super Bowl because we're not selling anything right now. Okay. Well, I don't know that. I haven't been That's told. That's true. Yeah. And I'm just saying the big game because I ain't getting an email. But we're not selling an event but, and, and trying to make money off of something. That's when you get in trouble for saying Super Bowl. I appreciate the clarification. My point was <laughs> freedom. Spicy! (laughs) My point was that for the big game, Frito-Lay did a bunch of research. And in that research, they figured out that Gen Z notes a love for flavor dust. Flavor dust? With nearly three in five, that's 59% preferring snacks that leave remnants on their fingers. Now that is compared, so again, 60%. So let's just say 60% of Gen Z. Mike, what are you? I'm millennial. a millennial. Yep. You're like an early millennial? Uh, older. Well, oh, older an older millennial? millennial, yeah. 
Okay. So eight. Well, I guess six I years tell. into it. Okay. I don't know 80. if he's twenty or thirty-seven. <laughs> I, I really don't know. He's not twenty. It's okay. I don't even think you're thirty-seven. What are you like thirty-four? Oh, close. All right, thirty-six. Um, what? She almost nailed it. Yeah, thirty-seven. Don, what are you? You don't do you say huh? your age? Forty-nine. Forty-nine. I'm forty-seven. I'll be forty-eight this year. We're both Generation X. Nobody cares about us, FYI. Mm-hmm. You will never hear a study about Generation X. It's always millennials or boomer. uh, boomers <laughs> yeah. and now Gen Z. Anyway, Gen Z notes a love for flavor dust with nearly 60% preferring snacks that leave remnants on their fingers compared to the average, which which is everybody else. The average is 40%. So what is it about Gen Z that loves getting snack fingers or dusty fingers or Cheeto fingers as we would call them? Why do you think? And if you're a Gen Z, call us. Although the notion that a Gen Z person is out there listening to the radio and will then pick up a phone and call us. I mean, that's going to be a unicorn. So if you are, maybe send us a tweet. Send us an email. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What do you think, Don? Well, it's hard to say because maybe they... Maybe they're rebelling because their parents were helicopter parents mm. and they're always like, they're like keep ah. your hands clean. Yeah. Keep, let me. Oh, Tommy. Oh, let's keep your hands clean. Come here. What are you doing? Oh, don't here. Let me place the chip in your mouth. And so now. <laughs> <laughs> so now they're like, not only am I going to eat these chips with my bare fingers and not wash my hands, but I'm going to so, lick my fingers. I'm just going to get dirty, gonna greasy get Cheeto fingers. Yeah, that's right. Do you? First, I'm going to kiss my lover. Do, <laughs> what? Cheeto hands. I'm oh, going to okay. touch their face. Okay. I'm like, what? I'm going to kiss my lover. <laughs> Suddenly things got weird. Silk daddy. <laughs> Cheeto daddy. Cheeto daddy. Hey, uh... <laughs> Um, okay. I had a question in there. The question is, are Gen Z the kids of Gen X? Is that how that works? Um, or are and they... partially the kids of Gen uh, What's... millennials as well. I mean, older millennials. Because I could easily have a You could have a Gen Z. Or oh, yeah, I guess you could. You're sure. right. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Do okay. you? No, I don't. Are you sure? But I could. <laughs> well, when well, I say I could, I mean I haven't heard yet. Yeah. Um, they they had some other research, but really this was the only thing that I thought was particularly fascinating. I mean, everything else was pretty straightforward. Like millennials were the most eager to try new snack flavors, which actually <laughs> um, Gen Z was less likely, but uh, not far away. Uh, Gen X, uh, not far away. Boomers, on the other hand, don't want anything new. They literally... Um, they were the least eager to try new snacks at 38%, which is kind of understandable, right? Because by the time you settled, by the time you get to that age, you're like, I don't want to try nothing new. Although I think this room is going to be a little off the average. Yeah. I would say because I, I I run towards the new and different, mm -hmm. but that said, there are things I, as I age that I'm like, no, I don't want that. I want this because I know what I want. You know, age brings that, confidence right because you've had a lot of experiences to discern what you don't like and what you like i like tube chips you like tube chips and i love to ask in the store because it makes mc laugh i like to go hey where are your tube chips (laughs) which means like pringles (laughs) you know the ones that are tube chips i was like what the heck is a tube chip (laughs) i like to go hey can you help me find your tube chips (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, jeez. Mike, we just got a call from the unicorn. Yes! yes! Awesome! We have Amanda, who is a Gen Zer. Hey! Oh! Amanda, thank you so much for picking up the phone and actually calling us. What yeah. are your What are your feelings? She's like, "Yep." Well, how old are you? I'm 24. Yeah. What are your feelings um, about? Do you think this study got it right that Gen Z loves Cheeto dust on their fingies? And honestly, for me, I don't do that because um, I mean, like, I'll lick my fingers after eating regular, like the beginning back of the chip. Yeah. But I don't eat the like dust part yeah mm. so for you you're not in that group of you're not digging out dust, the dust lovers no and in all honesty um because i want to say i dislike gen z oh. i actually associate myself with millennials because i'm like the more mature like beginning of gen z yeah oh, oh i get it i, I hear you're you an girl. older gen z yeah, and hey, I'm at work and I'm listening to a radio, an actual radio. I love you. You're like that's vintage, like you're retro. That's There's something great. very, very um, awesome about you. So thank you for listening. Thank you, and Thanks, for calling Amanda. in. And we don't Bye. care that you don't love Cheeto dust. It's okay. But, um, so this is what they need to do, and I think they might be working up to this, is that they're going to introduce the Cheeto dust and chip dust into a shaker form. I want that. Yeah. So they're going to, like, gonna, I would like literally, popcorn salt, except it's going to be Cheeto dust. I want that for my nacho cheese Doritos. Right. I would pay top dollar mm-hmm. to sprinkle my uh, nacho cheese dust onto, like, a chicken breast or wow. popcorn. That's Let's make it or potatoes, idea. roasted potatoes oh with gosh, some nacho yeah. cheese dust. Oh, me. Che- yeah, Cheetos have already done it with their Cheetle. You can actually get the Oh, Cheetle. I do remember Cheetle. Mm-hmm. Does Don Cheetle? Yeah. He should. He does. He does? Not. He does? Oh, does he? I-, I feel like he was a part of that. Oh, was he? Okay. Honestly. Well, no, there's a reason that it's called Cheetle. Well, with that they did the Cheeto Cheetle thing. Mm-hmm. I feel like, because I knew the word was Cheetle for the dust from the Cheetos, but then I feel like there was some pop culture connection with John Cheetle that they roped him in for i could be totally wrong um but now they need something for doritos like some cool ranch dust some nacho cheese dust some funyun dust some chili cheese frito dust what do you Funyun want Dawn? Dust. um tube chip dust tube chip dust <laughs> i have never heard tube is that just like a missouri thing no we call them tube chips no it's just something <laughs> you made up at home in and- my tube top <laughs> Oh, no, that's a different story. <laughs> this is going to be real dusty. Tube meat products <laughs> with my tube chips and my tube top. No? Okay. Oh, boy. All right. Well, uh, share that fun fact when you're nibbling chicken wings <gasps> at your oh. big game party. Ugh, nibble? Yeah, well, what else am I going to say? Chew? When you're chewing on chicken wings? You don't like nibble? No. Do you oh, like... I'm going to nibble on some snacks. Mike ah! just made a noise. Ah! <laughs> That's a nibble sound to me. <laughs> okay. Ah! No! We got to go! We- I got to go! <laughs> All right. Oh! We're going to stop. Uh, Dawn doesn't like nibble. I don't like nibble. I don't like the nibble. sound of when we return, she's got an unsolved mystery of the unknown, oh, but yes. it's probably aliens. Find out what it is when we return with nibbles. <laughs> the Adventures of Bradley and Dawn on my talk, 1071, everything entertainment. Uh, we are very suspicious that things around here, around these parts and beyond, <laughs> are the evidence of aliens or ghosts. We love mysteries on this show, and that's why we do this segment. 
Unsolved mysteries of the unknown. But it's probably aliens or ghosts. What's going on, John? All right, so um, not really aliens or ghosts, but we just like to say that. So um, there is evidence that the Ice Age, Americans, the ancient people of the Ice Age, were in Yukon 24,000 years ago. Mm. And what were they doing there? So there's been... Yeah, they probably are cold. It's like, why, what are you just doing here? Um, so woolly mammoths were roaming bison, caribou, herds of fuzzy, stocky horses that were smaller than uh, horse, horses nowadays. That that uh, breed of horses is extinct. But um, they were there and people were hunting them. So when the landmass of alaska and russia basically were together the bering sea there was a there was a land bridge basically and uh people that's how scientists have understood that people first came to the americas yeah that they traveled on on this um, that landmass that landmass yes archaeologists have unearthed some of the oldest known signs of humans being in north america and it's a special place called the Bluefish Caves. Ooh, which, I've never heard of the Bluefish Caves. Yes. Now, um, they are in northern Yukon along the coast there. So that's so, like Alaska territory, right? That is correct. Yeah. Northern, or close north, to Alaska. North, northern Alaska. Yes. Okay. <clears throat> so um, it's really strange because you would think that in this field of archaeology, there would just be facts. But there was an archaeologist who was overlooked and his work life's work was overlooked because people were so convinced that it was 13,000 years ago that people were oh, here. Sure. His work, his name was Jacques Sink Mars and he passed away in 2021. He was a Canadian archeologist. Um, he worked in Quebec at the Canadian museum of history there that his excavations that he did between 1977 and 87 in these bluefish caves proved that people were on site there up to 24,000 years ago. Oh. And the reason why he knew a lot of this has been people were like skeptical of it and they kind of dismissed him because they had this old way of thinking. And he's like, no, I have this evidence here. And it's just crazy to me that people just wouldn't look at hard facts. Yeah. So now his work is sort of being resurrected by uh, a, a French archaeologist at the University of Kansas. And she is finding that the these caves not only have, they have bones in there that, she can sort of prove that these were bones that were cut by humans. So, oh, so that would prove that humans have been there right. for, and they must have dated the bones to 25,000 years ago. You are correct, sir. Yes. Oh, okay. So this is really interesting that, you know, it's, it's kind of sad that he's passed away now and, and his work is being confirmed. Now everybody believes that this, this, these were, I mean, they're pretty far off there. And I 24,000 bet- and 13,000 years. And I bet you that there's like some DNA research that's helped lend credibility to this because I know that the DNA research people have done have like extended the time that, you know, in addition to this archaeology, people could have been on this landmass. Yes. So, um, 
she explains so that the human-made cuts on these bones are deep and thin with a V-shaped profile, and that corresponds with strategic bu- butchery. So it's not something that was killed by an animal. Aminal. Aminal. <laughs> an animal. This was no aminals. So um, the oldest one is a 23,500-year-old horse jaw, mm. and it has long, straight cuts on the inner side consistent with efforts to remove muscle. Okay, so that's so not going to be an animal that did that. They were eating horses. Yes, they were, and they were dragging them into the back of the cave. Oh, so to that's another them. right. That's another way that they know an animal just would have eaten it outside. Yeah, you wouldn't bring it all the way back in the where you got your fire going. And that's right. So I'm just having fun. Let's go up there. About okay. You want let's to? do it. It's a, let's broadcast from the Bluefish Cave. Hey, I'd be all about it, especially <laughs> yes. up in that territory. We could do some homesteading. Oh yeah. All right. When we come back from. The Caves to the Royal Castles of Europe. The Adventures of Bradley and Dawn, My Talk, 1071, Everything Entertainment. Hi. Oh my gosh, the royal family. You know, we just can't stop talking about them, especially with Harry's book, Spare, that just came out not too long ago. And then we know a lot more from that book about Princess Eugenie. Princess Eugenie? Is it Eugenie or Eugenie? (laughs) Eugenie. She's married to, to a very rich man. Jack Brooksbanks. Or something like that. Nice. No, sounds said, very sound, posh. Sounded Brooks like Banks. I said Brooksbanks. <laughs> That's our promotion. I meant director. to turn off the British music and I turned my mic off instead. So Fine. that was helpful. Sorry. <laughs> Buttons are hard. That's why Mike's here. That's right. Uh, because he's much better at pushing our buttons. But ah, let me tell you. What? I said, yeah, that's what I do. Uh, Dawn. What? Just that look. Hi. <laughs> it's the radio. Nobody can see my look. <laughs> All right. Can I tell you, though, about Jack Brooksbank and Princess Eugenie and what they're likely doing? Because the story, um, the Daily Mail's trash, right? We've all agreed. Oh, my gosh. They're evil. They do bad things, or at least say bad things in headlines. And they've decided that they're calling Princess Eugenie and Jack Brookbank's possible home purchase in the near future in the United States as, quote, Megxit 2.0. Has Princess Eugenie set her sights on Megxit 2.0 with a new life in California, eh? Friends claim Prince Harry and Meghan have been sending Prince Andrew's daughter details of homes close to them in Montecito. Okay, here's the story. Jack Brookbanks, Brooksbank, I will say his name right correctly at least once. It's Brooksbank. Brooksbank. He is very wealthy, Yes. And so they're just looking for a new home. I'm sure they have several homes. Mm -hmm. And according to this story, they actually are currently looking um, to probably rent something in and around West Hollywood uh, before, as the article says, taking the plunge and snapping up a property. America won't be totally unfamiliar territory for Eugenie. And actually, we know that because (laughs) I think that's how they say it, honestly. Really? Yeah, Not we would Eugenie. say Eugenie. That's true. Uh, but anyway, um, they we know that from the book Spare, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because they've spent a lot of time together, and they do seem to have like a natural friendship. So they it do. Uh, he introduced Megan to his cousin first before William. You know. Yeah, and so and you know they're similar aged, I think. Anyway. Oh, and Megan's friends with Eugenie. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it doesn't surprise me that they're going to want to have a place in California so that they can pop over. Right. It's not that they're like, we're out of here. We're out of the royal family. I mean, they could be, but they're not even really that, you know. I mean, they're kind of ancillary anyway when it comes to being mm-hmm. in the firm, right? Like, they've got their their jobs and things, but, I mean, he's doing just fine, mm-hmm. right? Um, but anyway, so they want you to think that they're fleeing the United or fleeing the UK to run off. And then here's something else that they can blame Harry and Meghan for. Right. But frankly, I just think that they just want to have a house so that they can come visit. Right. Or, you know, whatever, whenever they visit them and do other things in LA, I mean, they don't really, maybe he has business there. Yeah. Well, I mean, he very well may, I wouldn't be surprised. He's like, Mr. Um, you know, world businessman mm-hmm. making lots of money doing what super rich businessman people do. He used to be the brand ambassador for Casamigos Tequila. Oh, okay. Good yeah. for him. But anyway, not a shock. Now, the other thing that I learned in this particular story that I didn't know is that they're the ones living in Frogmore now. Uh-huh. Since Harry and Meghan left, the queen mm-hmm. gave them Frogmore. So that's where they stay when they're in the UK. Okay. What? I just... Yeah, it's weird that he's just been pushed out and shunned. It's strange. Even whenever I'm re- listening to Spare and I hear that some Duke of York or whatever is staying, like even whenever he's in his 20s, that he has to stay in this basement apartment above, you know, it's just it was strange to me. And that he had to go. You think that this family would make sure that they're fed and they don't have to go out and shop for groceries. Prince Harry had to go shop for groceries. And I know I'm going on a little bit of a tangent here and buy his own clothes at TJ Maxx. You just don't think of a prince, the child of Princess Diana, having to like run into TJ Maxx to quick pick up, you know, a couple pairs of undies and a t-shirt. And he would just like put himself in a disguise. And it's like, so you have to go buy your own food. You don't have a chef. But you, but you know what I find completely um, like delightful about that is I think that helped him like for the life he has now, right? Like he has had to sort of find his own way, you know, like his military experience, oh, the way that so he was important. sort of sidelined because he's not in the direct line of succession any longer, or at least he's further down the list for the direct line of succession. Mm-hmm. Like it's not likely that he'll ever be king. That has given him like a weird, I don't know what's the word, a weird oh. nibbling. No! no! I just said that for your benefit. Um, she doesn't like the word nibble. Um, a weird mm, air of like normalcy, right? But it That's was totally terrorizing relatable. to him. Well, in the moment, the paparazzi would you know everywhere he went, he was like a hermit. Yeah, but but I think that that honestly has helped him. Like right, like you know, we grow through that experience, and I would imagine that compared to like his dad, and compared to William, who've never had to lift a finger or do anything. Yeah, he has a perspective on the world that he is probably far more grateful for, and wishes that some of his family had. Like he just seems relatable in a way that he shouldn't. That's when true. we read about Prince Harry, and I just finished the book this morning. Finally, I had like I literally had like ten minutes to listen to this morning when right. I was on my dog walk. 
as I was listening to him wrap everything up, I just thought, this is so weird that I find myself relating to a person that is completely unrelatable. I think it's because he has been connected to the real world in a way that the mm. rest of his oh, family has not. Sure. Especially uh, his role in the military. Yeah. You know, I mean. But even like his courtship with Megan, even though despite the like, you know, like I'm going to take you on a first date to a safari in Africa. That's not like practical. Right. But but the way they talk about the relationship, I'm like, oh, that seems like something a young couple would do. Mm-hmm. Right. Like just the just the very normal things that he talks about. I'm like, yeah. that seems way too normal for somebody who you don't think is connected to reality. Right. And I think that probably Princess Eugenie have never she's never had these experiences that oh, he's no. had. Because she is the daughter of Sarah Ferguson, Fergie, and Prince Andrew. Yeah. And so she's never had to she kind of you know, just I, I don't I don't know for sure, but I don't think she was shopping at TJ Maxx for herself. Probably not. Probably not. Yeah. So, but do you also think like I always? I also wonder if it's too because he's uh, because Harry is a man, mm-hmm. and he was just sort of outside the loop. Like he just seemed outside of everything. Yeah. Which can seem isolating, I'm sure. But again, don't you feel like in the long run he he won? Yes. Because he got out. It's true. Totally out. He had to go through a lot of pain to get there. But think about his brother. And I know you're like, yeah, his brother's going to be king someday. Poor guy. But. No, he's trapped. Would you rather be king or would you, Okay, here's a fun game for us to play. Because mm-hmm. you're still reading the book, right? I am. Uh, I don't know if, what I'm going to do when I don't have it to listen to. I'm going to miss him. Oh. Well, you could write him a letter. and Maybe he'll come yeah. on the show. Oh. And we can talk about it. Okay. Maybe. Yeah, I'll okay. do that. Um, Where was I going? Well, it, this is a fun game. You said yeah. doing a radio show. <laughs> That's the job, girl. Oh, yeah. Um, if you had to pick, and I'll ask this question to both of you, and I know I'm just putting you on the spot and we didn't talk about this, so if you don't have a good answer, that's fine. Prince William or Prince Harry, whose life would you choose oh, to I live? Oh, I thought you meant to be with. <laughs> <laughs> well, fine. I mean, put it, put it that way or put it, you know, like... You pick the path because the path. each of these princes has a very different life path as it is currently set up. Um, do you want me to pretend like I'm their significant other or just I, I am them? I, I don't care. Them. If you had to pick one of their paths to be on, which path would you be on? Do you want to be Prince Harry or like listening and knowing what we know? How oh, are you feeling? That's a very good question. And again, there's not a right answer. So if you right. don't have one, it's fine. I mean, Mike, you go first. Uh, I would take Harry. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I'd be Prince Harry for sure. I uh, one of the biggest takeaways, and we'll we'll discuss it once we all finish with the book. But um, that trapped nature you just referred to with um, with William is something that's real in a big way, and I think that would be very difficult to not have the ability to say what you believe or even have a thought of what you believe. You're basically told what you believe and what you have to do to represent the whole entity, and I think that is very trapping and i would hate that yeah absolutely um i just all the pain and suffering that i i would choose harry yeah for sure but i don't like the way he was treated i think oh, of it's course not. hideous yeah absolutely all but the ag- little things just but uh, I, the microaggressions yeah but again versus william yes because i'm not the type of person i don't know if you've noticed but i don't like to 
button myself up into like a, this is how I'm going to present myself. You know, it's just, I can't really keep that up. Yeah. And that's your whole life. Yeah. Where you don't ever get to actually be yourself. The thing that would make me choose Harry, because I think I would, that's like, I mean, who's picking William, right? Like there's a version of me probably 20 years ago that'd be like, I want to be king, but I am at a point in my life now where I see the work he has done, Harry, and the work as to, now this story is as told by Harry, right? So we don't know what the true story is. But anyway, if I take him at his word, William doesn't seem to be the kind of person who has had the opportunity to grow or reflect on who he is oh, right. or his mental health. Because did you get the impression? And, you know, I, I think you're far enough along oh, in the I'm book sure. that like his brother just seems to be stunted in terms of his ability to communicate and love and have be a friend and be a brother and all of those things Mm -hmm. and just reacts with emotion. Like, have you gotten to the fight yet where they Uh, fight? I mean, isn't that the beginning or there's more, more fighting, the falling on the physical fight, the physical fight. I think that's the very beginning of the book, right? Is it? Mm, No, I don't think so. Where he falls on the ashtray Mm, or the dog dish. Maybe that was a part of the, um, we read the documentary. Oh, sure. Yeah. He he might reference that in the book, but, but so then, um, all I'm saying is like, it's clear that this is a person who has incredible emotions that he has not dealt with. And for that reason alone, I don't want any part of William's trajectory because I don't want to be on a path in life where I can't learn and, and grow express and express yourself. Right. Yeah. Because Harry, with the help of the ghostwriter, makes connections, beautiful connections as to his journey in life. Like when he walked to the South Pole and the North Pole and he compares it to walking behind the casket and just like life is a series of walking for me. It's a journey where I'm pushing through and I, you know, it's it's all connected. Like he's explored that because he's been in such uncomfortable places emotionally where he, he can't process it. And he's mm-hmm. being hunted by paparazzi and left to just the wolves, really, by yeah. his family. And so he's had to seek out therapist to help him process his mother's death because no one helped him when he was 12 years old yeah nobody helped either of them and it's a huge gift i think that he gets in the form of like connecting with a therapist and learning how to you know communicate and like having megan pull him aside and be like i'm not doing this with somebody that's right i did get to that part because they had a fight and she's like i won't raise a kid in an environment like this if you're gonna scream at me i don't know who you saw talk to a woman like that i was like yes 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 queen yeah you'll never be the queen but you are the queen yep exactly all right when we come back mike is gonna spin that game show roulette wheel we'll find out what game we're playing when we return right here on my talk 107.1